Welcome to episode 246 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For our podcast this week, we're going to chat about digital citizenship. Now, what the heck is digital citizenship and why should I care about it? Well, uh, it's relevant, I think, to our larger theme of the future of work, uh, which we like to talk about on the podcast. In this particular case, we're talking uh, specifically about the idea that uh, we're, we're approaching a time when you might be able to do uh, just about anything online, include you know, a lot of people's work lives are largely spent online. And the geographic borders that we have of nation states are, you know, going to maybe no longer be as important. Now, one country that has sort of led the way in this kind of thinking is uh, the little country of Estonia. Uh, they're located in Northern Europe, and they've got a uh, you know, a little bit over uh, 1.3 million inhabitants. So, uh, pretty in, in which city? Which of their cities has more than 1.3 million inhabitants? Yeah, I have. I have no idea. Um, well, no, that's, I was setting you up, man. I was setting you up. So the answer is, it's not city. The whole country only has 1.3 million. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it it is it is a uh, it is a small country, but they they are very innovative in their thinking, and and one of the policies sort of come, coming out of the Estonian government uh, is this idea that you can become an e-resident. So they're encouraging uh, sort of creative entrepreneurs uh, to become these virtual residents of the country. So you can, you know, they're part of the EU. So, so you can have a company in the European Union and sort of take advantage of that because you're an e-resident of Estonia. So, so their, um, sort of marketing around that is, you know, join the digital nation of Estonia. And, and a lot of people have, uh, uh, have taken them up on that. So, but Estonia is a real nation, right? Oh yes, indeed. There's land and infrastructure. Sure. And, and they want to sort of leverage that sovereignty into, uh, sort of a digital sovereignty as well a, a digital nation now so what so they have meat residents what what about the e residents what's the difference yeah, between the meat and the e right so so the e residents there's you know a certain uh, a set of criteria that you have to go through to apply and then i know that you have to sort of pick up your um your e residency id at the estonian embassy the the nearest one to us is in 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 new york city um, but you actually have to go through a process there. And the idea is that if you're, uh, an entrepreneur, uh, say you're, you're doing work in multiple countries, uh, uh, in the EU, perhaps, then you could have a bank account, you could have a, uh, mailing address, you could have all of the things that an online company would have and then be subject to the, the laws of Estonia. So presumably you're also paying taxes and, and these things for Estonia. Whereas, you know, if you're a, uh, a resident who's actually living there, of course, then you get to take uh, advantage of, uh, their, their social services, their, um, you know, uh, voting, their other rights that, that you may not, uh, necessarily have with this e-residency. Okay. So at least superficially, it sounds like just a branding exercise. And what I mean by that is 
Um, you know, over the years, I have incorporated companies in the United States, in the state of Delaware, in the state of Nevada, because of the laws that they have for governing LLCs and or because they're exempt from state income taxes. And, you know, there's a process where you fill out paperwork, you have to get a physical address there, you pay a service like, I don't remember what it was, it was pretty cheap, hundreds of dollars a year. And then that's a, a mailing address that sort of meets the legal requirements. And you can, you know, set up, set up a bank account and go. It sounds similar to that, but they're just spicing it up with e-residency. Is that, is that correct? Or am I sort of missing part of what makes this interesting? You know, I think there are a lot of similarities to that. Um, and, and maybe from our perspective, um, you know, here in the United States where we're, you know, setting, you, you could very easily go and set up a, a company in another state. Um, it sort of obfuscates the complexities of, you know, the international network of, of, of sort of laws and systems that you'd have to navigate if you're trying to do, you know, business in say, uh, say London and India and Canada and, you know, the U S all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the advantage of the e-residency is that, uh, unlike, um, if, you know, you're solely going ab abroad as a United States, uh, based company, I think there are, uh, a number of advantages from a legal perspective by being based within the EU that you could, you know, take advantage of. And it's just substantially easier to get an e-residency in Estonia than whatever the equivalent non-E would be in Germany or sure. France or exactly. I guess England has pulled out of all this now. So yeah, yeah. They're, well, they're they, separate yeah. The, with Brexit, you've, you've got, uh, one less player there, but, uh, you know, I think this is, this is interesting because we're talking about considering, uh, the, the digital, um, residency as, as something overlaying, uh, the, the, the physical borders that we're all so used to. And the reason why this is so interesting to me is because we're still in this transformation stage between the 20, 20th century organizations, structures, methods of work, uh, the et cetera. Meat methods. Right. Those things that, uh, well, e even that were just based around, uh, you know, the industrial revolution, like all of the things, all of the things that, were built up around that way of doing business. It sounds like meat to me, John. And now we're, you know, moving into this digital life, this digital way of working. The E way. Right. And and ultimately that that means that we're going to rethink the way we operate with one another. Our, you know, our workspaces are already different. Our uh are, you know, the, the times, uh, and the times of days that, that, that we're working, it's sort of a 24 hour, uh, system now. Asynchronous. And, uh, you know, additionally, you, you can not only be working, you know, at, at all hours of the day, you can, you can work with anyone anywhere, right? So why are we, uh, sort of married to these, these corporate and, uh, national structures that were really meant to facilitate uh, the industrial type companies. Meat so, work. Meat work. John, so what so that's totally why, why I'm interested in this. Uh, secondarily, this is this, uh, this idea of residency that you can buy into 
is not a foreign idea to, you know, the say the 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 one percent of the one percenters. Right. This is this is a uh, technique, a tactic that is that is used by the ultra wealthy all the time. So there is there is a really interesting chart on the World Economic Forum uh, website, just sort of showing how much money it costs uh, to become a uh, a resident and you know potentially a citizen of any number of countries. Some of those in the Caribbean, um, and you know some of those uh, in 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 Europe, and and even uh, the United States has certain programs where if you're a big time investor, you can. You know, buy things in the in you know properties and things in the U.S. and pay a certain amount of money. And after a certain amount of time, if you're living in the U.S., part you know, uh, I think it's like six months a year, then you know you have opportunities uh, to become a citizen. And this is this is available via you know very expensive, uh, but nonetheless. Uh, still possible, you know, bureaucratic systems. Some some are more affordable, right? I mean, there's some little principalities where it's actually you and I could afford it. We wouldn't like paying the amount that it would cost, but we could easily afford doing it. Um, in some of these cases, you can also buy prestige, right? You can buy knighthoods, you can buy titles. Um, it goes pretty deep. We, you and I probably couldn't afford those things, though, John. Yeah, you know, as much as we'd like to be a, a knight of the round table. Sir Jonathan Fox. Yes, as much as I'd like to be a sir, I'm afraid I'm going <laughs> to re- re- remain a, a peasant of some kind. So I, I, I think what this raises here are just, you know, opportunities for interesting um, uh, sort of models for citizenship and entrepreneurship that uh, – Number one, divorce it, uh, get divorced from geography, uh, and secondly, are um, making it possible to have I don't know trade work um, that whole system much more lubricated, much much more easy to to handle work on a, on an international scale really from you know your office just about anywhere or if you don't like an office maybe you're working out of a you know a, a cafe or hotel or something like that um, and you might be sitting in New York but you're actually in Estonia yes you're actually an Estonian uh, eve resident so this is just the you know the very beginnings of this this is uh, you know uh, you know kudos to Estonia for as sort of taking you know some innovation risk here and 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 trying to uh, be relevant uh, to this economy, even though you know they're a relatively small player. Nonetheless, you know here here we are talking about it, and you know they have they have lots of other big ideas on the way of how to how to build up this uh, e residency. Yeah, you know as a parallel to business. The fact that they're small, it's like they're a startup, and so they're innovating, right? I mean, here in the United States, there's so much bureaucracy, politics, bullshit, um, so much, so much sort of vested old um, infrastructure and interests that we could never get here from an innovation perspective. But Estonia, with the 1.3 million people that are being governed there and looking for more prominence, looking for more success, hungrier, smaller, more nimble, more lean. They're able to give it a try, and and it's it's interesting. You know, I I don't um, I, I don't think it's uh, world changing at this point, but I do think it's a path with intelligence that larger companies uh, companies I'm I'm even conflating it now. Larger countries can slowly uh, see the merit of and and move into 
hopefully, you know, unless their own detritus uh, prevents it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's an interesting question, which is, you know, if, if you do look at Estonia as as the as the startup uh, in this instance, you know, how how long will it be before you know the EU at large starts to offer something like this? Um, with with our current you know uh, set of politicians in power, I I don't know that the U.S. would be necessarily open to that. But how long before like New Zealand or Canada or you know some sort of more progressive type governments take a look at creative entrepreneurs, smart people who can you know go to school anywhere, who uh, you know are going to be uh, uh, sort of starting up their own companies, and they're going to say sure. Why don't you become an e-resident to start off and then come visit us? Yeah. You know, you're talking about global talent base. You're talking about uh, certain areas, certain countries that are starting to reject people because of, you know, either uh, the, the way they look or their religion or, or whatever. So, so you're making an environment where competition for global talent uh, is, is going to become that much more fierce. Uh, if if the United States is closed off to global talent, you know, what are other countries, what are other uh, 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 smaller countries going to put on the table to attract that kind of talent? And I think this is this is an inkling of of what we might see. Uh, we haven't seen a, you know, a global talent war necessarily yet. Um, the United States has always been a magnet. For global talent, and I don't think that will change. You know, I think that will always be there, but I, I think the competition is going to get uh, much, much steeper. And and Estonia's e-residency, I think, is just an example of how other countries are going to compete in this arena. Yeah, totally agreed. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by GoInvo, a studio designing the future of healthcare and emerging technologies, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D-Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 246 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.